spidey senses tingling. Really big shit. He's the host that makes super helpful calendar reminders that his D-bag co-host just choose to ignore like snakes. He's slim. The host of this paper keg show, episode 221. Welcome to the show. Paperkeg.com. We three friends. We get together and talk about books that we've read this week. Despite preemptive self-trolls to ward off any impending hammer trolls coming down the pike. We'll get to it in a little bit. Batman by Grant Morrison right now. I was so excited there, I think I redlined for the first time ever. The troll chum in the water. Uh, and then we'll close out the show with your letters. Letters at paperkeg.com. Uh, you know, we are just days removed from our trip to Baltimore Comic Con. You know, we're all still trying to get back in the groove. We have one man, you know, orchestrated the whole thing VP of merch, VP of travel. Dale underscore A, welcome back. Thanks, uh, Slim. It's great to be back. You know, mere what feels like hours, you know, deboarding the car trip home from the wonderful city of Baltimore. 17 issues of uh, Grant Morrison, you know, ingesting in, in between that time and this time. You know, coming off of a hot, hot weekend. You know, me going on vacation in the middle of next week, I just, you know, I'm in no frame of mind. I'm in no shape to be uh, relied upon for, you know, tasks, things like this, you know. Mm. Sometimes you just got to mainline Longmire just to get you through the week. Sometimes, you know, after work, when everybody goes to bed, I am watching multiple episodes of that a day to catch up at night. Sometimes I get a text like 11 o'clock at night, just going to watch one episode of Longmire before bed, LOL. Right. And then the next morning we're talking about the season finale. Right. So, you know, obviously, while everybody else is slumbering, I'm thinking about putting my thoughts to some sort of audio recording. Right. And, uh, you know, where does that leave us? What would happen if season three was the last season of Longmire with that season finale? We'd have to follow the actors on Twitter and watch them use awful hashtags and try to get the show back on the air. You yep. know? Which, exactly. We'll live through it. Get us, get we have another host. Sweet retweets from LDP himself. <laughs> we have one more host we with us. We can actually just skip this host intro and go right to the book club. Let's, uh, let's just get right to it. You know, Jonesy with the, was with us also in Baltimore Comic Con, which we'll get to in just a, in mere moments. Mm-hmm. Just a reminder, the show book club is Batman 
Gmail, Grant Morrison, issues one through 16, I think we did. First three trades. Correct. And, you know, we have this hot Patreon going. We're setting personal records. You know, one of the milestones is the roundtable episode. At the end of the month, we'll release a special roundtable episode for our supporters and then also the listeners. And, uh, you know, we're getting ready tonight. We've all been reading. The calendar invite is on. The calendar invite was sent out previously. We're getting ready tonight. I even updated the calendar invite mm. last night because oh, yeah. we were supposed to record last night. We didn't finish in time. You definitely <laughs> you definitely went in and edited an existing calendar invite that was yeah. probably made weeks ago, Slim, because you're usually on top of that. I'm big into the Google calendar invites myself. Huge. And we sit down tonight. Jonesy's got a, he's got some things going on tonight. He's got to go out. And I say, Jonesy, you know, I hope you're, you're okay with going out later because we have two hours of podcasting to do tonight. Unbeknownst to Jonesy, <laughs> who uh, evidently has not read a single issue outside of the roundtable issues, he has zero preparation for a Patreon milestone episode to be recorded tonight. You know, it's the end of the month, and we've got to record it. You know, luckily, it luckily, the only people that will be convinced is us, as we will record tomorrow night, an additional night of the week, to make it up to the Patreon uh, listening public. I will... Uh, you know, perhaps I'll sweeten the pot by uh, maybe two newsletters this week. How's that grab you? Wow. You guys want two newsletters, to, you know, as a penalty? Does that sweeten the pot? Probably for no one. I'm pretty Jonesy. sure Bex Gordo is the only one that likes those. Jonesy, let me get this straight. You are about to promise somebody else on Twitter an entire run of comics <laughs> that you will personally hand select uh, because of this. Well, yeah, I think because we should get into that story. Issue. I want to harp. I want to harp on the calendar for one more minute. Oh, could we not, Jonesy? You could it be in any way related to you having six email addresses <laughs> that I have to decipher <laughs> which one to send to a calendar invite, and they're all gibberish. They're all all of them. All of them are gibberish. I have a work email. I have a somewhat workish email. I got a custom URL. I got a paper keg email. <laughs> it might be time to consolidate whatever is going on, on that phone. I would love to delete one of the nine email accounts that I have, but I just, uh, there's a problem with me not knowing how to do that. So hmm. this is my life right now. There's no Mackay Pfeiffer. And when you send the calendar invites, you know, you really want to trust your gut and, and say, this is the address I'm going to send it to, which is actually the opposite address is the one you want to send it to. Right, right. I, I just want to say I'm troubled by these by these events. You know, mm-hmm. get, just troubled. Get it off your chest, man. There's a lack of there's a lack of commitment happening that hopefully we can address tomorrow night since we'll be recording again. You know, it's okay, Jonesy. You know, I, I personally enjoy staying up late. <laughs> Jesus, to record. There we go the night before the show is to be released. But we got to move on. You know, we had a great time at Baltimore Comic Con. <laughs> Josie's stewing over there in his own juices. I saw him just do like some kind of lip movement with his... Uh-huh. Oh, God, it was amazing. He is lo- right now he is loading some sort of mental bazooka. <laughs> <laughs> we had a great time at Baltimore, Dale. Uh, we We went to the Pisces Lounge one night. This was the yearly ritual... Where one of the nights, Dale just wants to get primal, stay out all night, oh, man. Uh, see what happens, 
And it ended up working really well because we went to the Pisces uh, Lounge. It's at one of those Hilton Bayfront. I don't know what kind of hotel it is. Sure. But the Harvey Awards usually are around that area. And uh, Dale, out of the corner of his eye, noticed Mr. Bernie Wrightson and his lovely wife. And he went over to introduce himself. And lo and behold, we spent the next, like, felt like, you know, the rest of the night, five hours sitting at a table with uh, the Wrightsons and uh, the comic book shop in Delaware owners, Sarah and Patrick. And what a night. What a night. Yeah, this is, I mean, I, I, I'm still like kind of confounded that all this went down. I can't believe that we ended up having such a great time in such a, you know, who would have ever, I would have never, ever, ever, ever guessed. I mean, when we went up to the Pisces Lounge, because there were signs in the lobby, you know, 10 to 2 up in the Pisces Lounge, which sounds like something from the Back to the Future. Um, we're up there, and we're only up there. We're the only ones up there. It's like 10-10, and nobody is there. And in comes like 10-20. In comes what I thought was, what I, I think I remembered was Bernie Wrightson and his wife, because I remember seeing him at the con on Friday. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, there's nobody here. Him and his wife are like sitting at a table overlooking this beautiful view of the harbor. And I was like, uh, you know, there's nobody else here. I'm going to go, I'm going to introduce myself. So I go over there and they tell me to pull up a ta- a chair. And I just, we just start conversating, having a great time. It's fantastic. And Jonesy's, uh, Jonesy, Send sort of jape via text about uh, I forget what exactly it was. I was like I was like get your butts over here. You guys are get over here too. Don't you feel like you're uh, you should, should be left out? And uh, I don't think I sent any such jape for the record. I, I think I was cheering you on. <laughs> yeah, you might have called you might have called me uh, you know some sort of BDS or something. <laughs> now we had. Um we had a bunch of other hijinks that happened at Baltimore Comic Con, and we released uh, a special Patreon only episode, which was an hour long. Which honestly, I think was one of our best episodes of all time. <laughs> oh, the three of great. us in that hotel room. Yeah, the that was before. I mean, that was even before drinking tons of beer with the Wrightsons, and it was. I mean, it just covered the first two days of Baltimore. It was magic. We were on the same room together. I was running on about seven and a half hour energy drink there, and uh, I, I could have used one of those because Saturday night, oh yeah, I I hit the wall. I must have just started drinking too soon and then mm-hmm. stopped. So that by the time that we got to one of the places, I was just miserable. Everyone was talking, and I was just like, "You stink." I wanted to punch him in the mouth. Yeah, you were. I just want to go to were, bed. But you, 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 you tried to rev me up. I tried. I mean, you were uh, you were warning us at while while we're having the PK three dinner. You were like, "We gotta." I get. You were like, "I gotta capitalize on this soon because things are gonna start going south." So you knew, and you know, I I knew once I realized that you were basically yawning in Liz Wrightson's face uh, <laughs> multiple times a minute. I was like, "This boy is lost. He's he's gone south. We gotta get him back somehow." Uh, I don't uh, know if we ever did, but you know. You didn't punch anybody. I think I, I picked up some steam. I think I halted the downward progress. 
Yeah. Because you get, everyone has it. You get to a point when you're out with friends Mm -hmm. and you just want to go to bed. Yeah. Or you maybe people, your other friends are drunker than you or everyone in the building is drunker than you. And you're like, man, I could probably just go to the bathroom and then just Uber to the hotel bed and nobody would know. (laughs) You know, maybe that thought crossed my mind, crossed my mind every five minutes, you know, but I didn't do it. Well, and I, I personally, I, for Jonesy and I, I, we thank you for not doing it. You could have easily done it. And, uh, you know, when you're in that situation, it's kind of crummy to be that guy, you know, that's right. And we thank you. I I personally thank you for not, for not doing it. Uh, I felt like a large crumb bum. Do we have any other highlights uh, for day three of Baltimore that you can both recollect? Uh, maybe some some purchases. Hmm. Oh, I got that game. You? Werewolf, werewolf. After werewolf. being uh, almost shystered by that uh, that vendor, first day of the con. I think I have one more copy left. Sunday, two o'clock in the afternoon, seven dollars off that same copy. I had hands on. On Friday, a.k.a. To, uh, every vendor at a convention. <laughs> Shyster. Uh, but I'm excited to play it. It's a, uh, a game, mystery game, where you all take roles, and somebody's a werewolf, and somebody's <laughs> like a town drunk, and you got to figure out who the werewolf is. It's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Comes we'll a, all play it for a PK game. It comes PK very game highly game. recommended by the, uh, the f- hosts of the former Echo Rift podcast. Don Garvey oh, wow. and Mike Connolly, yeah. Oh, rest in peace, Don and Mike. Great time was had by all. Uh, we have a big book club to get to. Oh, I don't want to beat around the bush. Oh, do we? It's 16 issues of Grant Morrison and Batman and Robin. We need to get into it. Jonesy, can you, can you begin to uh, transfix us with this book, please? So, a lot of people like Grant Morrison, you know? And uh, specifically this run in particular, you know, Batman has been blasted through time uh, by Omega Rays from Darkseid's eyes. And in his wake, uh, Dick Grayson uh, has become Batman, adopting uh, Damian Wayne as Robin. And Tim Drake has hightailed it to become Red Robin, uh, which I actually remembered really loving that title. As this yeah, was it was going great. On. And uh, so Dick and uh, Damien have to kind of wrangle Gotham through all these new kooky villains that keep showing up uh, in Gotham and, and like this huge power vacuum that's going on, as well as. Uh, Dick Grayson's desire to either resurrect Batman or solve uh, the mystery of Batman's death uh, through this one, uh, this run, excuse me. Uh, Dick does detective out that because Batman's animated corpse is not truly him, that Batman himself must be alive somewhere through time. And the, uh, the volume continues to uh, really explore the relationship between uh, Damien Wayne and his mother Talia, you know, uh, and what she thinks of his Robin persona and how he breaks ties with the League of Shadows, maybe. And um, also, ultimately, wraps up with a hugely anticipated storyline, the return of Bruce Wayne. 
can Dick and Damien solve the mystery of Batman's trip through time? All of these things and more await you inside the first three volumes of Grant Morrison's opus, Batman and Robin. Well said. Uh, three of almost three entire issues of Frank Quitely art. <laughs> I'd say two point six, and um, a few covers mixed. And in. a few covers. Yeah, he really. I think he had those covers kind of mapped out from the very beginning or something. Um, they were from other series he'd done. He just changed the phases before we drill. You know, before we drill down deep. Hmm. Forewarning: I think this is a Batman comic, so we will rip it up, but we may love every bit of it. But as that's happening, constantly picture in your mind a young Andy Barkley, circa child's play, trying to fight off a good guy doll, and that's what you have in a 10-year-old Damian Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) He's 10 years old. I hate that kid in those movies. He was always so annoying. He's, t- I mean, da- Damien Wayne is 10 years old, bottom line. He's an assassin, <laughs> but he's 10. You could break, you could grab, I could break, I could find a 10-year-old in the street and snap his arms over my legs <laughs> like they were nothing. Uh, it's funny that you're the one that brings that up in this round where the Scott Snyder Batman episodes for this show are historic. In that I loved them and eviscerated them in the book clubs, mainly because of Robin's. I, th- I thought he was eight years old in those books. <laughs> he's ten in these books. I know this. If they reveal here that he's ten, I'm like, well, he's ten. Wow, I didn't I know he was, he was ten. I I actually, funnily enough, I didn't think of that once during this run. I didn't <laughs> think of him being so little. Maybe it's because of how Capullo drew young oh, eight, yeah. ten year old Robin as like a literal child. And I didn't see him as as that young until Fraser Irving's issues, the kind of psychedelic issues where he had the Joker stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, oddly enough, I actually really didn't like Quitely's art in this in this book. I was glad when he was done. I don't know what was going on with his style of art. Mm-hmm. Um, it just didn't it didn't feel like um, maybe All Star Superman Quitely. Or we three quietly. It just felt oh, different. Oh, we three. Mm. Blicks. Am, am I the odd man out there? No, I absolutely no, agree. I don't think so. I uh, I think Frank was definitely phoning it in. I get I get the vibe. No, not even that. No, I don't get the vibe. I honestly I liked like the teaser images or the covers. Oh, the cover was legendary of issue one. Gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. But that's not what. Like what is inside where the art is trying to help show motion and tell story. I didn't quite like it either. Hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't quite like it either. And I, I, but I love, love, love the idea that Dick Grayson takes over as Batman. I love Dick Grayson as Batman. I loved his character. And I think, I grew to love him even more in this Scott Snyder run of Detective where Dick was Batman. But it was cool to see him be kind of like a talkative Batman mm-hmm. who said different things, you know, that emoted as Batman. And uh, obviously, I think the best scene maybe we'll all agree with was when 
Gordon and he were in the Batmobile. Oh, yeah. And Gordon's like, you know, the other Batman, he called me Jim. And Dick Grayson is like, you know, with all due respect, sir, I'd prefer to call you Commissioner Gordon, I, sir. Oh, man. And uh, Gordon's like, well, if it makes you feel any better, all the guys at the station like you better anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's probably like, you should have told me that, Commissioner. And it was great from Grant Marson's perspective to make that character different than Batman. It wasn't just, you know, rough and tumble, dour Batman. It was Dick Grayson as Batman it, the whole run. It really completely was. Unless, if you weren't, like, concentrating on the art of Batman speaking these words, it was totally out of character. I mean, it was there was not a trace of Bruce Wayne in in any of this book, which is great. Because it's just like this, it's hard to believe that the, this repertoire is coming out of Batman, like his banter, his, uh, his handling of situations, his speaking with Alfred. It's all Dick Grayson through and through. But the fact that he's just like out of complete respect for Bruce Wayne, he takes over the mantle as Batman. Jeez, mm-hmm. you can't, I mean, it's tough to fill those boots. I actually uh, forgot that I, I was reading. I have this first couple issues of this run, and then I guess I trailed off when Quietly left because I think at the time I liked Quietly on the book, but now it kind of soured on me. The uh, Red Hood stuff I had forgotten about, and so much so that I couldn't remember what time frame this was in. You know, whether he was the Red Hood, like uh, vigilante with the smaller head and the you know the the leather jacket where he became kind of like the cool vigilante. I couldn't remember what era this was from because I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be revealed as Jason Todd. And then yeah. he did have the mask come off and he had the red hair and stuff. I was like, well, and it kind of surprised me, mainly because DC's history is just so sketchy that I didn't know who was going to be under there and what timeline they were from. Especially after, I think multiple people just assumed it was Jason Todd before he was even unmasked. Cause they were like, it's just, like I think Dick Grayson was like, that's Jason, you know, blah blah blah. So yeah, it's like that seems almost too easy. Like it can't be Jason Todd at this point. Yeah, he said. I think like the first appearance of the Red Hood, he's like, Jason, that's Jason, Jason, get get over here. And I was like, whoa, whoa why is he like so quick to think it's Jason? And I guess that's just like to us, we're like, well, maybe it's not Jason. Right. I wonder who it is. And it just was. There's no drama at all. It was just Jason under the mask, like it was a foregone conclusion. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's super brutal vigilante. Jason, so he was. What do we think of the storyline of the Joker really being this globe-trotting, amateur, much beloved and respected detective? Like, well, he there. The detective, I think, was alive at one point. The writer, right? And I think he, but they he found took that his he identity. Killed, that like uh, Joker figured out that he killed his own wife, and then he assumed his identity and did these killings all over the world, but. Like that just seems like the most Grant Morrison thing I've ever read. It was. You know what I mean? it, it feels like we missed five tie-in issues somewhere because the, he's he's just immediately in the book as this world-renowned detective who has his face covered because he was in a horrible accident. Like there was definitely some sort of history laid down for this character that we just take on the chin. And take Grant Marson's word for it because it feels like it's something much greater. Like we should know who this guy is already. Well, the the scene, like I definitely knew that I had missed something big 
when uh, Dick Grayson was like, it was the last name that did it. So and so, you yeah, I didn't figure it out until I put together that X person had died because they were all classic jokes. And then like, it was Joker. And I was just like, I am like paramountly confused. Should I have known that this was the Joker the whole time? Was you know was this in tie-ins like Detective Comics? Was it in Red Robin? Like, had there been a place for me to parse together that this was in fact the Joker underneath the mask? Like, hmm. I did not get it. I actually really I was shocked by the reveal. This I I wasn't reading at the time, so I, this was all new to me. So I liked yeah. the reveal a lot of it being the Joker, and I don't know when any time that there's something that Batman uses detective skills to figure out whether it be piecing together clues. I feel like they're all just nonsensical and mm-hmm. nobody could ever piece that together. And just, just random data points that he looped together. <laughs> yeah. The, I was surprised. I, I fell you off. shouldn't have left the aperture of this camera open. Joker. <laughs> I read the first one. Everyone, everyone knows Joker's favorite aperture is 0.75. <laughs> <laughs> you fool. That's in that's in all the uh, Bat Computers archives, along with all the Bat plans and history of <laughs> who hung the photo with the Wayne Manor. Yeah, well, who and, the yeah. H knows the not only the chronological order of the Bat Wayne family, but also who specifically is responsible for hanging them at each time. I mean, the- I feel like I feel like uh, Alfred would know that stuff. I've, I I mean, that's his job. So that wasn't he, a big leap for you. His job is to know how to use the bat computer because that's all that's where he found all the information like some sort of archivist archived everything. And I want and put it in that Siri. Computer. I want Siri to have the contextual uh ability of the bat computer. Cuz he was pretty much like, "Hey, bat computer, this is Alfred. Uh I need you to compile a list for me of everyone who drew a painting." And the individual by fingerprint analysis of who and where they uh, hung it for me, please. And back computer's like, no problem. Entry number one, this person. Like, come on. My Siri can't do that. I can't get Siri to give me directions to the damn Dairy Queen. <laughs> oh, my word. Um, c- circling back real quick to the Joker stuff. I... I I read the first six issues or so, so I had I didn't know Joker was that fellow too. But I liked, I mean, I like how Joker's just so unpredictable that he's just this is what he's his new role in life. He's just going to start being a vigilante and fighting crime too, because with no Bruce Wayne, Batman, he's not the Joker anymore. I um, but then when he gets a hold of freaking Robin again, man, that was oh, like that was, great. that was pretty heart pounding stuff. Because once you've realized that this is what he wanted all along, to be stuck in a room with Robin with a crowbar. Mm, that was probably my favorite issue. Crazy stuff. Yeah, the uh, plus how he wrote Joker I thought was really well done. Like his really quiet chuckles. Like, <laughs> like that was really creepy. And it was more creepy than Scott Snyder's version, I thought, of how like his cursive speech font you know it was very hard to read and it just was erratic i actually really liked the joker in this run mm-hmm. uh in particular i thought it was like really scary and like a threat on different levels whether it was to the yeah. thomas hurt character or robin which is a whole other animal of this story 
I guess I mean there's like three major parts. There's the the time travel Bruce Wayne. There's Thomas Wayne slash Thomas Hurt, and then you know the Batman and Robin aspect. Because the time travel stuff came in a little bit later, mm-hmm. or not like at the beginning, but you know how they starting to because obviously Bruce Wayne was quote unquote dead at this time, and the Justice League surmised that he was time traveling because he was hit by Darkseid's Omega rays, which is one of the silliest sentences I've ever had to say. <laughs> but and they Alfred and the Wayne and Batman and Robin start to figure that out because. He's been leaving clues throughout throughout time and into the Wayne Manor, which I thought was I I mean honestly this is I feel like in another parallel universe I'd be taking a hot dump on this book, mm-hmm. but I really loved it in in this one where they're trying to solve the the mystery of Bruce Wayne being displaced in time and he's been leaving these like subtle yeah. clues in the paintings and different rooms of the manor that he'd never been in. And now that I'm saying that out loud, I mean, he could have easily just written them a note saying like, <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah, I'm yeah. stuck in time. I'll see you guys in 2015 <laughs> at this time. <laughs> Send Western <laughs> Union. Western, or, you know, he's like super wealthy. Couldn't he have left like a trust document somewhere with like a hidden note that they like, oh, on this specific date, which I know they'll need me, mm-hmm. the, you know, the executor or executrix, you know, could be a lady. Uh, produces this note or, you know, some kind of file that says, hey, dummy, uh, this is how to get me back. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, the, but, I, yeah, I really, like, I I had a hard time when I was reading Return of Bruce Wayne when it, when it was coming out because it was just so Grant Morrison and, like, the opposite of a Batman story. Because it was just like this time-traveling romp. Like, the cool thing was he would assume these identities in the timeline he was stuck in to kind of be a vigilante at the time. was really cool. Like, those covers, one of the Kubert brothers, I think, were doing the covers of those things, which were awesome. Yeah. But it was just just a tough pill to swallow because it just wasn't your typical Batman. And I think that holds true with this whole run. Like, I think maybe we're so used to... um, it being like a normal kind of uh, Batman story nowadays to go back and read this kind of like extraordinary Bruce Wayne out of time, Dick Grayson and Damian Batman Robin story is kind of like refreshing. I mean, I, I, lo- I love it. I bought the absolute edition because I love it. And what made me, what this made me realize is I think I might even love Bat the first volume of Batman incorporated more, but I don't, but I haven't fully read that yet, but I just remember because that was more like the, the one thing I realized I missed out of this now that I'm fully caught up and I fooled the read the volume as a whole was I just missed more Dick Grayson and Damian Wayne fighting crime stories, which I felt like the, and from like my headspace behind the scenes is maybe like after the first three to five issues, they're already pressing Grant Morrison to kind of start wrapping it up. And because, yeah. And he starts like he has to tie in the Blackest Night stuff at the time. And then he ties in the Thomas Wayne. And then he eventually ties in 
like bringing Bruce Wayne back. And I feel like, so that's, he felt like he had to bring back Professor Pig to like, kind of like bring it all up in. But the Professor Pig storyline on its own was just great. And I think I would have liked another nine to 12 issues of great Dick Grayson and Damian Wayne just fighting crime together. Hmm. And I think had these 16 issues just been that, I might be sitting here telling you this is the greatest Batman volume I've ever read. Mm -hmm. And it would have been a Grant Morrison book. But I think you're right. I think it's so muddled with all these, you know, webs that he's trying to weave in and out of one another. You know, it's ostensibly maybe from Dan Dedeo. You know, maybe Dan is uh, from the editing room, you know, making Mm -hmm. a hot copy and having somebody run it down to Grant Morrison. Uh, that it gets a little too convoluted to really be its own thing. Like, the Batman and Robin book shouldn't just be, uh, you know, your your dumping ground for plot threads, I guess. I actually can't remember uh, anything about this Dr. Thomas Hurt character. Like, he wasn't really Thomas Wayne, but he mm. was Dr. Hurt, and he had changed his face to look like Thomas Wayne. Like, that one was... I felt like I missed something yeah. in the Batman storyline because they alluded to like Thomas Wayne taking him in and like dark secret is like he couldn't heal this guy for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And then he went crazy, which was, that was definitely like I, in the, if you read the blackest night miniseries, which is basically a green lantern, it's, it's DCU universe spanning, but it's a green lantern miniseries. And that's how, like the Blackest Night miniseries kicks off as Thomas Hurt and the Black Glove. There was references to the Black Glove in those issues in Batman. That's like what kicks off the Blackest Night. And I didn't know fully how they tied that back in with the Batman tie-ins, but I didn't realize that he tried to mock uh, Thomas Wayne and all that stuff. So that was, it was, it kind of stood out as something that didn't really fit in in the rest of the theme of these issues. Hmm. I mean, on top of that, I know like it's a comic book and you have to suspend disbelief, but for the, the people of Gotham to believe that Thomas Wayne returns to Gotham after being presumed murdered for two decades, at least two decades. I feel like that's a pretty big stretch for the people of Gotham to just like eat it up with a spoon. Oh yeah, totally. They were, I mean, they were, believing every second of it not you know realizing that there's the all all kinds of shenanigans every day like this in gotham now like how does this even a fictional city that survives anymore and think about all the people that like have to support the infrastructure of gotham city should have left 30 years ago and 10 year old damian wayne in the board meeting of wayne enterprises uh, finding loopholes a la, you know, Weekend at Bernie's, <laughs> the uh, large contributions to the, uh, the the Underground Railroad Fund Railroad. that they had set up. Like, this is what Damian Wayne's doing when he's not training his assassin fights with and sparring with Dick Grayson. He's going through, like, green bar papers. Yeah, he's looking through those OSHA reports. Trying he's looking to, three one. Uh, mm-hmm. trying to uh, hunt down the next person that he can uh, Charles Lee Ray into the uh, soul of another young child so he's not stuck <laughs> into the s- size of a 10-year-old good guy doll size. <laughs> I really, uh, there was one, my main negative 
was the return of of Bruce Wayne. It the like an issue cliffhangered into his return, which was I thought awesome. Um, oh yeah, because Fraser Irv- I love Fraser Irving's art. Yeah, so I loved going through his issues again, and his issue ended with like Batman returning in the shadows, Bruce Wayne, and it was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. But the next issue, I feel like they made an editorial error of having Cameron Stewart do the art. Like his art is was great and the issues that he did before that like the them trying to resurrect batman i just feel like he wasn't the appropriate artist for the issue where Mm -hmm. you need like a double page spread of batman returning it just didn't fit at all in his style i agree especially when it was so completely different from fraser irving's like first reveal it's it, it almost feels like that they didn't want fraser to be the one that's showing like a full back in action Bruce Wayne Batman. Like they mm-hmm. wanted more of a a traditional style or a traditional artist doing that for the first time with for the big reveal. Yeah, hmm. I could see that. And I I I liked how um this was like your first as far as I can remember, the first Batman stuff of Chris Burnham, who was that kind of um Frank Quietly ish style. And then he eventually like owned you know yeah. the Ink series and made it his own yeah. over several years. I'm buying the Incorporated, absolute right now. Mm. What about when um, Dick Grayson is uh, hovering over one Slade Wilson in a hospital bed at the League of Shadows, revealing that Slade Wilson killed a hundred thousand people in Bloodhaven. Oh, one hundred thousand sixty-eight people, and this guy is. What? Paying for his crimes? Justice thousand, he said? Oh, and did I mention the 100,068 people you killed in Bloodhaven? How's that even possible? You look like something a dog threw up, Slade. Like, (laughs) come on! A hundred thousand people? Why is he not, like, uh, on trial in front of the ICC? (laughs) The whole world calling for his head. Like, how is that not happening? Bloodhaven is like Gotham, Gotham, Chicago. Is it like Gotham's New York and Bloodhaven is Chicago? Is that? I how that thought works? it was like Bloodhaven's Horsham and Philadelphia <laughs> is Gotham. That's the that's the you know relation I always think between the two cities. But even still, like a hundred thousand people in Chicago, right? I mean, how do you even rack up those body counts? I know. Why is he not in Magneto's prison from? Uh first class or whatever <laughs> it isn't slade wilson like dc's anti-hero i thought isn't I, there like no, a death strike a bad series guy. Hmm. yeah i think yeah. in in the issue zero they made him out to be like somebody you could get behind or something no maybe new 52 he is yeah yeah slade wilson slade wilson uh. But I mean, but I yeah, I love. It was just cool to see the team up, and when when Robin basically asks, you know, what's going to become of us? Why can't he said we can't be Batman and Robin anymore? Can we? That was beautiful because like yeah, that was great. Damian Wayne's such a little pee that to see him like come around like that and fully give his life over to you know fighting the good fight and telling his mom. 
that he, he doesn't want any parts of that League of Assassins stuff anymore. And really forming a bond with Dick Grayson. I mean, that's that's like lasting. That that comes up every now and again from here on out. And it's like so special. Yeah. The the Robin stuff with Talia was really well done where he confronts her after having like the mind control stuff infused in his spine. And I mean, Damien is so great. Damien is such a great character in this book. I mean, in general, he is. But the one thing I was thinking about while I was reading this is, like, I was starting to worry that, like, you know, I want to see Damien progress into adulthood. But I wonder if that's ever going to happen in, you know, the current universe. Because people don't really age. They're going to have to find a workaround for him to, like, leave Earth for, like, 20 years and then come back. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, I know. I would like to see him older, too. Because there's just probably so much more places you could go with an older, older attitude Damian Wayne. Mm-hmm. And I get, you know, they could pull the comic thing where he gets older, but nobody else really does. And I think people would believe it, but that's maybe they're just, they're thinking like that's another of the member of the Bat family and they need another Robin to fill that yeah. space. Maybe yeah. that's their thinking. But it's cool. It was cool. It's definitely cool. Batman and Robin. Grant Morrison. Who knew? You know, this might be the first positive thing Gen Z said about Grant Morrison in three years. You mark it down the calendar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you definitely have to dissect what he just said a little deeper, probably. And But you can get some positivity out of that, I think. <laughs> so worth it, though. So worth the praise on Grant, Grant Morrison. You, I mean, this is his baby. So is Flexman Tallow, I guess. But, oh, fuck. God, stop it. Flex garbage tallow. Come on. Come on. We got your letters. I'm going to open them up. Farrington, I'm going to open them up. To you. Rest in peace, Mark. To you. Letters at paperkeg.com. You shoot us a letter, we might read it on the arrow. Our first letter, he comes to us from friend of the show, Aaron Jones. He writes, thanks for remembering about the 200 contest, Slim, ha ha, and mentioning it in this past episode of Wink Wink. Hopefully you guys had a blast. It was great to have the episode to break up a terrible day flying home from New Mexico. Glad to be back in the Midwest. Anyway, again, thanks for another great episode and sharing all your fun with us listeners. P.S. Hope your back is all right, Jonesy. Uh, that's uh, sent from my mail from iOS. Uh, Aaron, when you get this uh, live episode, please DM me your home address so I can uh, send you your Baltimore singles. Good heavens. Um, next letter is from longtime listener, first time, possibly writer. I can't remember him. I always remember him struggling to find a reason to write. I don't know if he ever did or not, but... At Karate Chop 16 on the Twitter. Huge friend of the show. Uh, hey, Keggers. First off, wanted to congratulate you on hitting some of your Patreon goals. It's a great idea, and I'm glad there's now a way to give back a little something for all the hours of entertainment you've provided. I'm especially excited about the roundtable episodes and the start of Nimity's show. Too soon. What a time to be a Paper Keg fan, yeah? <laughs> Secondly, I once have again, to- <laughs> no blips to the Patreon crowd. Just requires more work from us because right. of my fault. So I just back the f down. 
and we are so on it for you guys. Secondly, I have to echo the sentiment of my Canadian compadre at Catcher, who recently suggested Peaver, Peaver, <laughs> Peter David's X Factor for the book club. The first volume is excellent. I remember the series come out, coming out around the time I got back into comics and loving this cast of characters. Unfortunately, the art never again reached the bar that Ryan Souk set in these early issues, so it makes this volume even more special. I highly recommend you book club it at some point. If I can make one more recommendation, you should definitely check out the next two volumes on of Attack on Titan if you enjoyed the first. More of Mikasa's story is fleshed out, revealing just how B.A. she is. Also, some of the questions you're left with at the end of the volume one are answered, leading to more questions. I'm on the fourth volume now and plan to keep reading on. Really? I, I would like to, not to interrupt, but mm-hmm. I would like to keep reading. Yeah, the, the, it's like the price is just about right on Comixology as it is, like $6. $6. Can't oh. beat that. I mean, it's a good price. I was looking at uh, online, you know, at like I think the paperback is wow. eleven dollars. I think for those things. Good God, way to go! High five, Comicsology. Lastly, I'm bummed I missed Baltimore Comic Con. Sounds like you all had a blast. Maybe I won't be on a Farrington ghost hunt next year and can make the trip down. And what about this hashtag PK outdoor trip talk picking up steam? Can you even imagine what a time to be a paper cake fan? Q3, 2016. Tell your friends. Keep doing what you're doing, fellas, uh, at Karate Chop 16 on the Twitter. email. I mean, that was a great email. Sean, uh, thank you very much for that. Stay tuned. Yeah, I mean, just stay tuned, all right? We're going to get some (laughs) sort of digital mountain Sherpa to guide us in our planning and, uh, and, and things, whatever I, you know, just just watch out when I type things like that because Jonesy will be on me uh, like some sort of troll editor. <laughs> Instead of it pointing out my results in some sort of reply email, he will just DM. You act just like you don't me. jump all over my ass anytime I make the slightest misstep. Like, oh, poor Dale, poor wounded animal Dale. Just people just sharpening their knives. You're trying to get it as sweet, you know, meats. And then I, you know, I, I could trip over and, and you'd be like a Jones what God. a scumbag. Listen, can what we get back let's get back scumbag. on the positive trail right now. Q three twenty sixteen. Right. Our next letter. You know, we've been sharing private mm-hmm. Instagram DMs of photos that that we find on Instagram of people with kayaking in Lake Tahoe. I mean it's stunning. Ooh. Where's Lake Tahoe even? You know how how long would it yeah. take us to get there? It's like California or Nevada, I believe. Fudge <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, just just know that on our PK outdoor trip, there'll be some uh, smoked of my coddled meats. My sweet meats will be smoked and shared via, like, a la jerky. So, Jonesy, oh, don't you worry about that. Let's say, all right, so Q3-16, right. you know, we'll keep it on the East Coast. Maybe Q3, you know, 17-18, Lake Tahoe. You know, you we will be in those kayaks taking those mm. beautiful 4K videos, you know, panoramos. Oh, God. I mean, I can't, I literally cannot handle thinking about these trips. I know. I know. The Instagram too. opportunities, the photography alone makes me want to just ascend into Lake Tahoe heaven. 
I mean, we'd probably get featured in some sort of uh, photography magazine. <laughs> you know, Paper Cake would get a huge plug, I'm sure, because of it. It's going to be pretty great. Yeah, absolutely. What a show, huh? Really, really uh, brought that one out of the tubes, I feel like. <laughs> the tubes. The tubes. Our last letter. Come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. Next thing I know, I'm roofied in a Baltimore alleyway with my wallet missing on account of at Amenities and her ruthless hit squad and a whammo. I'm a paper cake patron. Okay, that may not be exactly how it happened, but it's close. Uh, to be honest, you guys are really fun to hang out with. I wish we could have tipped more uh, shots and pints together. But between the high school kegger breaking out next door and Jonesy yawning every two minutes due to a long car ride and a late night before, it was probably a good idea we ended when we did. So when I got home, I became a Patreon backer and listened to the BCC bonus episode immediately. Los Mediocradad was worth the money alone. I urge all listeners to do the same. On an interesting side note, I have some concerns about the iPhone 6S Plus and its quality. After Slim, using his technical know-how, diagnosed the issue as, maybe it's just the case, followed by an expletive, I exchanged the life proof for an OtterBox. The 6S has been a tour de force ever since. Mm. Thanks for the fix. Uh, I couldn't hunt down Wii 3 at the con on your recommendation, so I'm in a furious bidding war on eBay for 99 cents. Fingers crossed. Uh, I did find the Pride of Baghdad hardcover, though. I can't wait to read it, then re-listen to your show. Well, keep doing what you're doing. Can't wait for the, uh, for the round table, Amanda's new show, and the next time we meet, cheers, mates. And that's our dear friend. First time we met him in the flesh, Irrational Beers. Oh, yeah, guys. That, by the way, that was an official paper cake meetup because there was just more than us hosts there. It was a pleasure meeting Irrational Beers. And uh, I hope we can do it again sometime, you know. That guy will order some Jameson shots mm. like nobody's business. Yeah. We, I think we relate to that meetup uh, because of our Turkish night out. Our Turkish meal that we talked about in the secret BCC episode. Oh, yeah. that Our Sultan experience. That's right. The, the tour okay. of the SARS. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. Did the Turks have czars? I think that's all they had. Everybody was a czar. They had mounting czars. <laughs> <laughs> next week, I'm not sure when we'll post. Next week could be the roundtable episode, but the next official book club episode is the one Dale's been waiting for for oh, 222 episodes. Oh, my gosh. Devil Dinosaur. Oh. You know, what if he reads it and he doesn't like it? What I happens know. next? I am, I am afraid. The universe implodes for that. We'll see everybody next time. You know, shoot us an iTunes review if you're bored. Goodbye.
roundtable episode. Should we release the roundtable as its own week or as like a bonus? That's a bonus. Bonus? Yeah, what's the number one book you're going to talk about in that roundtable episode? Should I? Can I spoil? Can I talk I don't about? No. Should we? Should we spoil I'll it or should we hold it? I'll tell you what. It's going to be a double shot. Double shot Tuesdays. It's going to be a tie with uh, Jackie Bam Bam's uh, double shot Tuesdays. <laughs> um, it's going to be uh, Miracle Man. The first two Ooh. released Neil Ooh. Gaiman. Neil Gaiman. Uh, came out in August and September. <sighs> I just read those, boys. Stay tuned for the roundtable episode. Holy smokes! I want to keep talking about it, but I can't. We can't. We can't right now. We can't. Can't talk about it. Mm. But given Ooh. the time that Jonesy has afforded us, you know, I could read something else and I want to talk about that instead. The, the episode, yeah, the, the, the possibilities of the bonus roundtable episode are endless right now. Endless. I've never seen anything like it in my life. I know. The Boy, Jonesy is really hardcore into that cell phone. He's probably texting five people, telling him where he's at, why he's not mm-hmm. there. Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> Actually, I was just perusing Comixology. I don't believe that for our Pete. <laughs> I can I can screenshot it for you, babe. My cart. I'll effing, 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 beep, beep, screenshot, beep, you. <laughs> you know, I don't really even curse that much in my real life. You guys exaggerate I don't know. that. I feel like you cursed a lot during Baltimore. I disagree. I we might have a no cursing rule when we're in Lake Tahoe, mm. Q3 2018. Because that's just going to add to the, you know, the tranquility of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No drinking, too, right, guys? Let's, no drinking. Uh, no beer. We're just going to be peyote. No cursing. One you with know. nature. Also, no talking or laughing or having we're gonna fun. Be, Sounds like Jesse doesn't want to go now. We're just there to paddle, guys. We're going to be uh, wishing each other be well, you know? It's going to be amazing. We'll see how Jonesy's uh, knee holds up while uh, mountain hiking. I mean... I feel like my knee was the other companion with us this past oh, weekend. It didn't do so... I'm, I mean, if it doesn't do so well in the Tosin Mall in Maryland, <laughs> how's it going to do in the mountains of, you know, northern New York? Yeah. I feel like, had I remembered my knee brace, that could have been a different weekend altogether. <laughs> Right. If you remembered your knee brace or your electronic roustabout scooter, <laughs> <laughs> you'd just be rolling, knocking people out of the way in the Apple store, buzzing people over. Just, just got a mental image of Gen Z riding that into yeah. the lake. He couldn't stop the brakes in time, so he's flailing into the lake. His huge pulsating knee. <laughs> Someone just walks over and shoots me in the back of my head to put me out of my misery, right? Because F that guy. I hope he drowns. <laughs>